Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello. Mom? Luke? So I'm working on 30 Pop. You know, we're looking back 30 years, and I asked my guest this week to tell me the worst trouble that he had been in when we were nine years old. And I'm curious what you would say the worst trouble I had been in was at nine years old. Oh, were you nine when you set that fire? <laughs> I think at I was older. Wash? Huh? I think I was older. Oh, well, that was the worst that I remember. You were always really, really good. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, you were always good. It was Josh. Josh was the trouble person. Well, and I'd probably still. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, there was a car wash. I don't know how old you were, but you were old enough to know better than to set that grass on fire. Okay. And the fence. Didn't you set the fence on fire? I don't know what I set on fire. Maybe I regret asking this question, but thank you so much for helping. Oh, sure. Okay. I have to think about it. I could probably come up with something. You don't. It's fine. You, it's fine. We're good. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I'm going to start the episode now. Well, you were precious. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I love you. Call love anytime. you too. Bye, mom. Bye bye. From Milieu Media Group, this is Thirty Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from thirty years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 1, Episode 20, Batman, Basketball, and Bad Decisions. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, July 1st, 1989. Well, friends, we've made it to Episode 20 of 30 Pop. I can't believe how quickly these last several months have gone, but let me just say again how much fun I've had producing this podcast. As I've looked ahead at the rest of the year and all the music and movies and TV shows that we'll get to look back at as we make our way towards the end of the decade, I'm just so excited for the fun that's still to come. But before I look too far ahead, I need to make an editorial correction to last week's episode. I mentioned at one point that there's no one in my life who gives better hugs than my friend and guest, David Walker. Much to the chagrin of my other friend and past guest, Nick Willard. Apologies, Nick. It's a tie. You're a gifted hugger as well. Now let me make my show. These past couple weeks have been a little crazy for me as I've spent them on the campus of Southern Methodist University in Dallas at a leadership camp of sorts for youth, where, among other things, I led a storytelling and podcasting workshop for some really great high school kids. In the midst of our very crazy schedule and a head cold from hell, I had the chance to connect with my lifelong best friend and one of my absolute favorite podcast collaborators, Nathan Shards, to take a look back through the fog of exhaustion and cold medicine at what was happening in pop culture 30 years ago this week. Here's our conversation. Nathan Schartz, welcome to 30 Pop. Thank you, Luke. I'm very, very happy to be here. Man, it has been a long time coming. Way too long. I tell people all the time, if I could have you on every week, I would. And this is actually your first real time to be on. It feels special. Okay, so 30 years ago this week, for the second week in a row, the number one film at the box office, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson's Batman. Beast. Beast. (laughs) 
Beast of a movie. Tell me what you remember about loving that movie. Michael Keaton's voice was so daunting. I think he was the first one to really... Well, he was probably the first one since the television show to be on the big screen. And his voice was just so fear for my life. You know, I kind of feared for my life. And I knew he meant business. He did. Yeah. The dude was a real deal. I've read... So that's like a big joke is Christian Bale's Batman and the voice, the... Too it's much. just so over the Too top. Much. But that is where that started was with Michael Keaton. I read something about like that was just a thing that he chose to do in the suit. It wasn't planned for him to do that. It just yeah. that was the only way that he could think to sort of disguise himself yeah. truly. Yeah. And it's funny how that has sort of carried through to all of even the most ridiculous Batmans. I'm curious. Do you know that there's another one coming? <laughs> I did not. Is it Ben Affleck? <laughs> it's not. It's Robert Pattinson. Hey, yeah. of, of uh, Twilight fame. Twilight fame. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's Robert Pattinson, and then I can't remember if they've announced anybody else that's going to be in that. But we do get the new Joker movie. Okay. You've heard about this? I have not. Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. That'll be good. Check out the trailer. It looks amazing. Yeah, that'll be good. We've seen so many Jokers at this point. We talked about this a little bit last week with David Walker about how actually Jack Nicholson's Joker was so creepy. Yeah. Even though we always associate that with Heath Ledger, yeah. Nicholson's Joker was actually just as creepy. It was the first one with smeared face paint and yeah. real sloppy. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. He was he, good. He was psychotic in yeah. the movie. Well, but he yes. had the dance with the devil in the moonlight deal, and that yes. whole scene was just, it kind of tingled your spine. It was a yeah. good one. Yeah. I was a fan of Kim Basinger as a nine or 10 year old boy. Yes. You start to put some pieces together and, and realize. So we've had the segment before where you talk about looking at your mom's red books. <laughs> yeah, well, you're starting to discover things. Talk me through it. That can sort that can sort of shape your your future self. And so, yeah, Red Book played a big part. Cosmopolitan. She had a Shape magazine subscription. So you kind of tie all that in together with Kim. And you know, I think there was a Who Framed Roger Rabbit that was around that same oh, time. Yeah. You know, I actually thought I had a thing for a cartoon. It, you you start to shape some opinions that last you a lifetime. So how has that played out in your adult life? I'd love to know. The cartoon relationships haven't worked out. There is a whole subgenre of fetish dudes. That wasn't for me. But I experimented, you know, with, I can't remember her name. I think it was Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit, yeah. I, it yeah, I know exactly what her name was. <laughs> and so... It didn't work out. The cartoon thing, I went for more of a real-life human woman. Okay. Okay, we'll leave that. So we've been friends since we were born. Born. Yeah, I was born a week after you. Our parents were good friends. Nine years old. I would love to hear you describe your nine-year-old self, because you were a little bit of a troublemaker. Yeah, I was. I had a Jordan flight suit, which I basically wore every other day. Yes. That alternated in between a Michael Jordan. I think it was a ski jacket that I had. It was just glittered was all this, over. Like yeah. a starter jacket? No, this no, not Michael Jordan. Jacket. I'm sorry, Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wore a glove to school and had like my Thriller Did red really? leather. Oh, dude, it was ridiculous. But the style wasn't quite there. You know, the Simpsons were kind of getting going and things. I had a Bart Simpson shirt. That was pretty rebellious for a nine-year-old. Yeah, so that's later this year. So December of 89 is when we got the Simpsons, which is remarkably still going. So I'll definitely have you back on to talk Simpsons. Yeah. I would love to know, when you were nine years old, what was the worst trouble you had been in? Oh, golly, at nine years old? You know, typical kid that was stealing candy. We had a a 7-Eleven right by my school, and I think I had gotten caught stealing some kind of a candy bar Dang, I can't remember what happened to me. Let me think this one through. Damn, because I ended up getting... No, that was for bringing porno mags on a basketball trip. 
Yeah, we had brought some Playboys, but that was later when I was like 13 or 14. But I ended up getting licks. That was back when you could punish a kid with yeah. like literal Physical licks. violence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that wasn't when I was nine. I though. have a distinct memory. So we both grew up in sort of this Christian subculture. And I was always, you know, I tried to be a, like a pretty good boy, you know, and you were my really rebellious sort of loudmouth friend. I worshipped you for it. But I distinctly remember at one point you telling me, that you were going to get all your sinning in while you were young. <laughs> and then probably when you were like 14 or 15, you'd get, get baptized and, and straighten it out. <laughs> but I, I've always remembered you having that sort of philosophy. And I just thought, man, he's thought through this. He's yeah. on top of it. He's going to get all his sinning in when he's young. Well, I, I do re- recall like I was a pretty good soccer player. And so at recess or whatever at school, you play soccer and you would always kind of punk the kids that didn't really know how to play. And you look back on that stuff and you regret it. But you would always kind of punk some kid just to make yourself look good in front of a girl or, or you know, build your ego up. And I, I look back on some of that thinking I was kind of a douche, you know, even in basketball. Because me and you were both pretty good basketball players. Yeah. And we would, you know, just punk kids I mean, let's be honest. I rode your coattail through, <laughs> well, through fifth and sixth grade. Hey, you knew how to pass. Sports came real easy to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you were a huge athlete. You played all of the different sports. You excelled at all of the different sports. But basketball was sort of the thing that we had in common. Yeah. So NBA at that point, we talked about this briefly a couple weeks back that the Detroit Pistons had just beat the Lakers. They'd swept them in the playoffs. What's remarkable about that is that up until the finals, the Lakers had swept every team they had faced. And then they faced the Pistons, who they had beaten a year earlier in the finals, and they got swept. And yeah. that was a sweet, sweet time in the NBA. Great team. That Pistons team, yeah, it was a sweet time in the NBA. You're right. Because you still had the Jordan factor. He hadn't quite gotten over that hill yet. He was a year or two away from from just taking completely over. But that was still prime Jordan. Like, he was just a one-man. So we talked before about Come Fly With Me had already come out. So, like, people knew how great he was. Yeah. I mean, they were starting to know how great he was. I don't think they fully knew how great he was. But The Come Fly With Me video, Luke, was probably my Schindler's list. (laughs) That I watched that maybe twice a day for six months. Yeah. And I tried to mimic Jordan with trampolines on seven-foot basketball yes, goals. with video cameras. Yeah, really, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And it, it was something me and my cousin Landon did. And we, I mean, there's actual videos that still exist somewhere yeah. of us holding those Pizza Hut mini basketballs yes. that you would get with a large pizza. So anyways, yeah, Come Fly With Me was a fantastic movie. Would have won multiple Academy Awards I had I been call it a, a movie. Vote. Uh, <laughs> More of a highlight reel. It's just like a 30-minute highlight reel. <laughs> Probably 45. So were you paying attention to the NBA at that point? Of course. Of like absolutely. Of Magic course and Isaiah and oh, that, dude, that whole series. Yes. I was watching the NBA from probably 1988. The Dallas Mavericks kind of made a run. Is that the Roy Tarpley years? Yeah. Okay. Mark Aguirre and Rolando Blackman. That's when I really kind of got going. And that was 1988. They got beat by the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. The next year, I guess now, Pistons and Lakers. And that bad boys team was damn good. Yeah, so who all was that? It was Joe DiMarge, it was Isaiah, it was Bill Ambeer. Yeah, I think Dennis Rodman was on that team. Rodman was on that team. And I think Mark, well, no, I don't know if Mark Aguirre had gotten there yet. V- Vinny, Vinny big-ass thunder thighs, big dude. Thighs. That's all I remember about him. <laughs> big-ass thighs. That was a solid team. That was a good team. Isaiah went nuts, I think, that series. Yeah. He Joe DuMars like, got finals MVP. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think Isaiah good. probably got it the next year, because that's when they repeated. Yeah, they, they went back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Which was just insane to me back then. I mean, and that was, was crazy Rodman year before he, you know, started dyeing his hair and piercing his nipples. He was a rebounding freak. Oh, he I was mean, always the dude good. would D you up. Defensive monster. Yeah. yeah. I remember awesome. the first thing that I remember him doing where he was 
clearly trying to get some attention. This would have been early 90s. I remember him shaving the word swing into his, <laughs> into his Fantastic. head. Fantastic. Swing. Wayne's World. Yeah, yes. it was great. Oh, crazy. And then he started, yeah, with all the tattoos. Yeah, piercings. he went and got a Prince Albert. Oh, and then he yeah. had every, every piercing. No, he was, I think he was with Madonna for a couple weeks. Yeah. He was doing some things. And he's still – And do you pay attention to him at all now? I keep an eye on it. I mean, he is just – Bizarre. Yeah, he is. I mean, I it's not even just like bizarre for the sake of like getting attention anymore. It's yeah. just like this dude is a freaking weird. He's different weird guy. He's like plugged in with Trump. He's and, and Kim Jong Un. Yes, and he's just a weird political figure. And to, if you follow him on Instagram at all, I know you're not a social media guy, but like, yeah. he just pops up on like any NBA player's posts. You'll just find these comments of him just being like, "I'm here." Yeah. Or something. It's just like, look well, at me. In a political landscape where, A, Donald Trump is president, and Dennis Rodman has a political voice, you yeah. can tell we're living in idiocracy. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just where we're at. It's, it is. I'm good with it. It's not 89 anymore. No, it's entertaining. So. I guess, man. <laughs> if you can just observe and have no skin in the game, I'm sure it is entertaining. Yeah. You know, and I, that's kind of what I've been relegated to. I just kind of sit back and enjoy it. You know, I... I kind of look forward to the Trump tweets. It's just entertainment now. Oh, gosh. You're it's, a better man than me. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it is anything but. The guy is a literal buffoon. Yes. It's just fun to watch because it's almost as if you're watching in real time the downfall of a powerhouse. And I'm just going to ride along with it. It's entertaining. It's funny. And here we go. You know? There's no oh turning my back. Gosh. It's du- true. Dwayne no The Rock Johnson back. in 2024, probably Oprah in 2028. Hey, and I'd vote for Oprah. Yeah, Oprah's cool. Yeah. Um, but you're going to see more and more. We're going to elect, you know, we'll probably elect Eric Cartman from South Park in 2032. Here you are with your cartoons again. <laughs> so oh, man. we're along for the ride. Well, I'm glad you have such a positive outlook. I don't know that I share it, but Nate, always good to have you. Can't wait to have you back. Thank you, Luke. Take it easy. Thank you. Oh, man, I love that guy like you just wouldn't believe. Thanks to Nate for being on and pushing past my fogginess to make this episode happen. To catch you up on a few other things that were happening this week in 89, Millie Vanilli reclaimed the number one spot on the Billboard singles chart with their huge hit, Baby Don't Forget My Number, and a few pretty big records released as well. Namely, the self-titled platinum-selling debut from rock and roll supergroup Bad English, the quadruple platinum-selling fifth studio album from Georgia-based new wave band The B-52s, featuring the song Love Shack, which I've kind of always hated, and the breakthrough third album by crooner Chris Isaac, featuring the massive single Wicked Game, the music video for which made me feel all kinds of uncomfortable for years to follow. As you already know, Batman was the number one film at the box office once again, but there were some pretty notable film releases this week as well, including the third film in the Karate Kid franchise, which I of course loved, Great Balls of Fire, the biopic of rock and roller Jerry Lee Lewis, who at the age of 22 made his 13-year-old first cousin his third wife, rightfully destroying his own career. So of course he gets a movie. Gross. And finally, the very important, eye-opening feature film debut of Martin Lawrence and Rosie Perez, produced, written, directed by, and starring Spike Lee. Do the right thing. This film is incredible for a whole lot of reasons. Not only did it paint a painfully accurate, albeit comedic, look at the racial tension that existed in late 80s America, 
but it also turned out to be an unfortunately prophetic look at the racial tensions that remain today. Here's hoping that in another 30 years, the American narrative will have changed significantly in favor of all the various people groups who've been oppressed throughout our history. And here's hoping you and I can be a part of that change. But before I get too soapboxy, let me go ahead and wrap this episode up. Thanks so much for listening, friends, and a huge thanks and shout out to Eddie, Kelly, Carrie Lynn, Susan, Hannah S., Hannah P., Heather, Matt, Ken, Bev, Daniel, Laney, Kate, Cass, Rachel, Sarah, Sam, Thomas, and Valerie. Y'all were such a worthwhile distraction from my podcast producing rhythms these past couple weeks, and I'm so thankful for it. I'll be back next week to talk about the series premiere of one of the greatest sitcoms ever written, a show about nothing. Until then, I got me a car and it seats about 20, so come on and bring your jukebox money. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. 